Uh, so that was all recorded, but wonderful. I guess, I guess now we can formally start. I think you should like really highlight the toilet paper story. Start there. Start with the toilet paper story. We can still tell the toilet paper story. Will told the funniest joke I've ever heard yesterday. It wasn't even a joke, and it was came from the weirdest conversation ever. But he asked about like when people wipe when they're going to the bathroom. Um, how do you know what hand, like, how do, what hand do people use? And then he's like, oh, that's obvious. And I'm like, well, if you're right-handed, you probably wipe with your right hand. And he's like, that's weird. I wipe with toilet paper. All right, everyone. The Dr. Alex Show is brought to you by Shed Like Cold Lasers. And Shed Like Cold Lasers has been a game changer for us at HML professionally and personally at home. Personally, on a, on a personal note, I had a very bad bout of vertigo. And I got probably 85% there by going to a few different functional neurologists over the years to help me out with it. Then I bought this. And this is a game changer because one, it's portable. That means I can take it to the office, use it on patients all day, make sure it stays charged, come on home, and then throw it in my pocket and use that home. And this is what cleared up my vertigo. Now, professionally, the way it's game, it's uh, been the game changer for us in the office is that it has cut our results down by 50%. This can get used on just about anything. Any disease disorder that you can think of, it can pretty much get used on. Now, as far as how it has helped us out, it's cut everything down by 50% on our times. So when we're working with our kids with special needs, uh, when we're working with our chronic neurological disorders, autoimmune diseases, to get those people into a good point that they're happy and that we're happy, times have been cut by 50%. You will definitely want to go check out shedlightcoldlasers.com or email Griswold at shedlightinformation at gmail.com, 518-338-6658. All right. Well, I guess we'll get started. <laughs> Everyone, welcome to the Dr. Alex Show. Uh, so this is a little different. First in-studio guest, which is pretty sweet. And again, different because I'm staring at our little logo here, but I'm not staring at the camera. So that's it's different not seeing myself. Oh, yeah. All these things I'm getting used to. And now, I'm, now, now Nick, the producer, is switching it up on me. So anyway, so in, here in studio, we have friend maybe breaking HIPAA, patient and colleague that we work with, Michelle Worley, um, that we're going to talk about. I don't know what we're going to talk about. You have my permission to share that I am a patient of yours. Well, too late. Okay, you already did. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, anyway, so tell the world about you. So I am, as you said, Michelle Worley. I own Great Oaks Therapy Center, which is a mental health service practice in the Westport area of Kansas City. We have just exceeded 20 therapists there, which is a wild idea in my mind. I did not know did that. You, you didn't know that. Yeah. We have 21. 21. Does that include interns? Mm-hmm. Oh yep. my gosh. Yeah. So everywhere from graduate student interns from a few local universities to pre-licensed to licensed to now starting a supervisor team of people that are supervising our graduate student interns. So it's wild. Uh, our purpose. Yeah. It's, I mean, really, if you would have asked me six years ago when I started this, where I would be now, it does not feel real, which I don't know if you ever feel that way in your, in your practice. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So it's cool. We are, um, our purpose is to train people how to do the business side of private practice while also bringing the personhood of the therapist into the room, um, just kind of creating all around good, um, like a good setup for therapists to really be successful in private practice. Yeah. So, um, I guess that brings up a something to talk about is maybe a little of taboo. Okay. Of seeing a therapist or mental yep. health. Yep. Because when we refer, every once in a while we get the really. Mm-hmm. Do I need to? Yeah. And maybe you'll have a better way of explaining it, but I just say, seeing someone and talking to someone who is trained and knows what they're doing in a constructive way are going to get you to discuss what is going on Mm -hmm. so that it can be therapeutic. Yeah. Yep. So I think you're talking about like a stigma of mental health. Yeah. Yeah. There's still that stigma. I think we're in a generation of people like right now, this generation that we're living in, it is um, much more accepted to be in therapy. Yeah. So I think social media can be a negative, like, thing that kind of sucks us in sometimes, but also it can be this really great outlet for teaching people about like the realities of different things. So even like in chiropractic world, I would imagine, um, you know, people watching TikTok or people watching stories on Instagram or wherever, all of these places can lead people down different paths. But one of the cool things we've seen is just normalizing mental health care. Yep. So I don't know if that's the same in chiropractic, but there is definitely a, a, much more comfort I'm seeing in people. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to doctors putting stuff on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, stuff like that, and they're putting videos of them adjusting patients because getting adjusted can look, excuse me, can look barbaric. It can look odd. It can look scary. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there too, which is a whole nother podcast, by the way. Uh, people, I think with time, they, like you said, it normalizes it because mm-hmm. when YouTube really started getting popular was when I started practice and then people were like, oh, I watched this video and it freaked me out. And I'm like, why are you here then? Yeah. But now it's like they've started to see it enough that it's kind of normalizing it. Mm-hmm. So at first I used to hate all those videos and things online in terms of our profession, mm-hmm. but now it's, it's okay. Yeah. Some stuff I still wish it wouldn't be done because mm-hmm. unfortunately like I know in our in our profession it's like it's like a contractor you watch a contractor put a kitchen together you're like you made that look easy uh-huh. I'll do it next time no Mm-mm. there's a reason we went to school for eight years yes there are so many videos showing you how to adjust your own back or neck and I'm like that's please don't do that right yeah yeah that's a bunch of garbage yeah. but anyway I yeah the uh the taboo of mental health, that kind of brings up, what do you think about there being a big difference with generations? Mm-hmm. I know my parents are boomers, mm-hmm. and a lot of people our age tend to be, quote, softer mm-hmm. with our kids, for the people that have kids, as opposed to uh, how we were raised. It was like, feelings weren't really addressed. Suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up. Yep. Um, whining is the same as being upset and being angry, mm-hmm. um, you know, not getting your way and throwing a fit is the same as another situation where maybe the child has a legitimate reason to be upset. Yep. Yeah. So now it's, I mean, I see this. Um, I don't know what the phrase is. There's some kind of parenting that people are doing. It's like a 
just softer kind of parenting where they're allowing their kids to feel whatever they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult when you were raised to suck it up. And then you also know that it's actually really helpful for kids and all of us to be able to feel our feelings all the way through. Mm-hmm. That's where the parents like our generation needs to be doing their own work. Oftentimes more than sending our kids to therapy, we need to be going to therapy right? to be able to handle their emotions. Yeah. I would think, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's almost like training a dog. Mm. When you train a dog, you're the a dog trainer is, if they're working with the family, they're working with the owners. They're mm-hmm. not really working with the dog. Yeah. They'll get the dog to do anything. Yeah. But it's getting the parent, it's getting the owners, the dog to make some changes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fair comparison. Yeah. Uh, so then... I so we were talking beforehand. How did we get started? How did you and I yeah. connect? And Dr. Lauren, by the way. Yep. Yep. I don't remember the ins and outs. So we worked together in a residential treatment facility. Um So is that Shelter Lauren Wood? and I did. We worked together at Shelterwood. Yep. Yep. So that's how we met. Because you were that doing was a thousand years ago, I think, approximately. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. You were doing therapy at Shelterwood. How mm-hmm. long were you there? Um seven thousand years. Got it. No. Okay. So I might exaggerate a little bit. I'm sure it's part of how my brain's developed. You could probably speak to that. Um, Five years, I believe. Okay. I worked there for five years. And for those that don't know, uh, Shelterwood is a residential boarding school for troubled teens. Mm -hmm. They're really unique because they it's a Christian based boarding school, Mm -hmm. but they have uh, therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have licensed therapists on staff, and at one point they had even a psychologist. Even nurses, it's a little different now, but it, so it's therapeutic and very uh, Christian based, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And it's a fully accredited high school. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess it's a fully accredited school because there's as, as young as some preteens, 12 year olds to 18 or even older mm-hmm. that go there. So, yep. yes, that is um, challenging work for, I think anyone that works there in different ways. So being there as a therapist, um, it's hard. You have to have a balance. You have to be able to take care of yourself, and it's hard to do that while taking care of kids that are in that much need. Oh, yeah. yeah. So then you were at Shelterwood, got to know Lauren. Mm-hmm. Lauren was working at the Brain Balance there. Yep. And for the people that don't know, Brain Balance is an after-hours achievement center. They are... Um, private franchises so it's a franchise-based system so you um anyone can buy into it which is great and the owners at the time was our friend uh ran a brain balance on center there and brain balance helps work work in some regards to what we do in office um but no offense to the brain balance centers it's just not quite as in-depth as we can be because they're not medical but it's a fantastic program Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, it has helped so many kids and families so they work on the weak side of the brain that isn't quite functioning how it should um, to allow the child's brain to mature. And then that allows them to start making better choices. Yep. So if their brain is maturing up, then that's where people like you come in. Yep. That is where my fascinated, or fascination with you all started was the teens that I was working with, the, the brain balance staff were also working with, getting to see the impact on my side like i was benefiting from the work that you all were doing with those teens yeah yeah seeing seeing the changes compared to the teens that 
weren't mm-hmm. as yeah, evident. Yeah, ADHD, like kids with ADHD primarily were the ones that I, it was really evident that they were doing this work in yep. brain balance. They were the ones that were um, in therapy. You couldn't keep them still at all. They were literally doing sessions upside down on the couch, which I was fine with, but it's also really hard to stay <laughs> focused on doing the work that they're trying to be doing in there. Right. And so working in collaboration with brain balance was really helpful because all of a sudden, I mean, over time, if you did like one of those videos where you sped it up to see the kind of changes, they would just rotate and all of a sudden they're sitting in their chair. All of a sudden they don't have a lot of the symptoms mm-hmm. that they had, which just blew my mind. We weren't taught that right. in grad school. Right. So who knew that you could actually like actually decrease or eliminate symptoms of yep. ADHD? Right. You can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, uh, even scary for us at times to even like tell parents that Mm -hmm. on the side that we're in, we're like, yeah, yeah, it can happen. But I mean, nothing's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Does it happen? Honestly, 85, 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It can happen. I'm, I, I mean, I'm one that has seen it. So yeah, I know, but we've talked about that before. The things that if you just said what you have experienced and what you know to be true a lot of the time hmm. to just random people off the street, they would look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. 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 Like you got, like you got a horn to come off your head. Yeah. Like no way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and that's what also makes Shelterwood unique is because of brain balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to Amanda Gunter mm-hmm. and Dana Hernandez and Dr. Lauren yeah. and a few others that started that. Yeah. They started it. I they, remember. they opened it. Yep. Uh, all the credit goes to them. And uh, Amanda Gunter, it was owned by some people, but they had started it. Anyway, Amanda Gunter bought it. Then Amanda had, it's now sold and it is owned by Shelterwood. Yeah. So Shelterwood has gone on board so much as so that every kid gets brain balance now. Yeah. That's cool. So That's really that cool. is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that just means that more more of a success rate on kids going home and getting back into a life where they can start being productive and having relationships with their parents again. Yeah. So what's your experience been like working with therapists just in your career? I'm curious about that because a place like Shelterwood is an unusual place. Yep. Anywhere where you have that many different types of professionals working with kids Mm -hmm. is not normal in my private practice world now. Right. And so I see a lot of um, challenges in collaborating. I'm just curious what it's been like from your side. So when we worked with kiddos at Shelterwood, we, and I, and when I was involved as private practice, whether they come and see me um, or Dr. Lauren, or we go to the, to Shelterwood to see the kiddos, it, it, it ebbs and flows. So right now we don't have any active Shelterwood kiddos right now. Mm-hmm. So that either means things are there. Every kid's happy. They're making changes. Life's good. Um, but it could be a couple months from now and we could get just hit with a lot of kiddos that are very challenging. So when, when we're working with the shelterwood kiddos, we actually run into more roadblocks because there are that many cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm. and that's not bad, but because some of the cooks are even out of state, or they aren't in the same location. Um, and then sometimes the cooks are new and yeah. they don't think they might think that their way is the best way or they're not open to anything else. 
then that prevented us from making decent changes. But thank goodness we were able to work with like people like you and other therapists like Melissa Winston um, and and like Jeremy Lotz and a couple that are in the area. They saw the change and they advocated for what we were doing. And then we would make profound changes and then some eyes were starting to get opened up. Mm -hmm. Now, just in private practice, like having our place and then having therapists like you to refer to and others, that's a lot easier. Yeah. And especially if the therapists understand what we're trying to do and probably the best way to describe it is just talking in terms of development. Mm-hmm. If you think of development like a tree, if you want the if you want a tree to grow, you plant the seed and it's not that at that point all of the tree's energies are being put into planting roots. Mm-hmm. Probably not true. What's going on is there is a little effort to sprout a trunk and some leaves and things like that, but vast majority of the roots, right? Mm-hmm. As the tree matures and grows, then it has other duties and energies are shifted. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do with our functional neurology uh, programs for our kiddos is work from the roots up. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you're working with um, therapists or medications or uh, any sort of therapy, it's like trying to water the tree from the top down. Yep. If you if it's if it's done right, you can make pretty profound changes, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then, if there's a mess with the trunk of the tree and the roots, that water may not do anything because yep. there might be something wrong. Yep. So then we just try to fix that and kind of work on the branches too, and then let, let you guys take yep. over the rest. That is why I think that we get along so well, or why just things seem natural when we're talking because that's it exactly there's different perspectives from therapy mm-hmm. where some people do top-down approach and some do bottom-up that's just the language that I've heard yeah. same thing that you're talking about yeah so I know that I can help kids using some models of therapy or adults um, really address the thoughts that they're having mm-hmm. and that will lead to changes in behavior that feels similar to watering from the top yeah but what I'm doing is like I know that as a systemic minded therapist I'm a marriage and family therapist we're trained to see like even if I'm just sitting with you I'm curious about all of the other people in your life I'm curious about your family your upbringing um, all sorts of things like faith is important um, just understanding how you were raised um, and what kind of interactions you've had with people all of Mm -hmm. that feeds in yeah to who you are right and if I just focus on this one piece of like the thoughts in your head I'm really not going to make it as far as if I if I start at the core. Yep. It doesn't mean everyone's ready for that. It doesn't mean that there's no place for watering the leaves. Right. That is sometimes where people need to start. Totally. I've definitely been there as a client even of the, you know, going to my own therapy. Sometimes I've needed something where it's just top down. Yep. But the majority of the work I do is bottom up, which means I know that I'm in this for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because you're really unpacking a lot. Because mm-hmm. as that as that tree grows, there can be traumas and other damages along the way, mm-hmm. um, stresses, yep. major life events. Um, then when the trees mature, even if it's mature, it doesn't mean that, like you're saying, you can't go in and do work that is bottom up yep. or top down. And it doesn't mean that we can't go bottom up. From a neurological perspective, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is always bottom up for us. Mm -hmm. It's always a safe bet. So 
when we address patients at HML, if we're working on their brain, it is bottom up. Yeah. I do not know if I'll tell this story well, so you'll have to fill in some of the points, but one of the most profound moments for me, I hope you remember this, was I had this, I attended this training and I had this weird pain in my neck or like my shoulder. And somewhere in conversation, we realized that there's some connection between that and my knee. Mm -hmm. There's some line that goes through. And so it was addressing the liver. Do you remember this at all? No. Yes. Maybe. Well, I keep going though. So I'm gonna have to... it was connecting to what you were saying because that does not make sense in just writing it on paper. I have a pain in my shoulder than just deal with the pain in the shoulder. But you know to look deeper and like try to see what's actually what's actually connecting that pain. Oh yeah. So in that case, I remember asked a few more questions about liver function. Mm -hmm. Um, like, do you have reactions to this or do you have a hard time digesting this? Mm -hmm. And then the, the reason that I went that direction is because it's something that I have found clinically that if there are multiple points of pain, Mm -hmm. um, then there can be liver problems. But then there's also other things I knew about you Mm -hmm. and that's why my mind went there. Yeah. So it could have been, it could have been really anything. Yeah. It could have been, let's say, f- like something else that worked well with you was giving you those adaptogens mm-hmm. from Apex. Incredible. Who's a sponsor. Yeah. Um, and my mind went there because after we had tried giving you some uh, neurotransmitter support, it was like, there's nothing. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a strikeout. Okay. Back to the drawing board and think about it like, okay, in the past it was liver detox issues, and then there was a lot of stress and adaptogens help with stress. And when we're stressed, our attention is, well, our concentration is null and void. Mm -hmm. We can focus for short bits. And that's what you're dealing with. So then I I, I think it was like a week later, you're like, I think I've, I think it was unintentional, but I haven't even taken my medication. Yeah. Yep. I won't. (laughs) I mean, I, I have a lot of ADHD medicine left because I just stopped taking it. I don't need it anymore, which probably need to put a disclaimer in there, not to just randomly decide to go off of your meds. Sure. Um, so I didn't do that on my own, but right. yeah, that all of that was what was reminding me of like how important it is to ask all the questions and to really understand someone from a, pol- a full perspective of their life mm-hmm. rather than just treat the neck pain. Right. So I love that. I think that's that's why I love working with you all so much. Yeah. It can be, it can be a bit of a dance at times. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure as you know, there's, there's people that come in and they're like, I'm ready for anything you have to offer to help me with X, Y, and Z. Yep. And it's like, okay, great. And then we're, we're diving, we're diving into running tests. We're running those questionnaires that you filled out before. I, I needed a little bit of therapy after the questionnaires. <laughs> How many pages are they now? So the new intake patient work for an adult is about 50 pages. Yeah. Yeah. What you filled out, I think was 18 pages. Okay. Yeah. I actually really like blank pages. There's something about like a blank worksheet or form that I don't hate, but it was a lot. Yeah. What was the first food your mother ate after she birthed (laughs) you? It was, I think one of the questions. Okay. Maybe not. But close. Like not it was not, close. not too far off. Seriously, You'd probably not too be far interested off. in that. Yeah. 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 That, no, that's seriously not too far off at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. 
Because that, that is actually a, d- a decent question to ask. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's not bad. No, it's seriously not bad. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Well, people... yeah, because with breastfeeding and all that, wow, I just – now we're at 127 pages Yeah. that you're going to be at. Yeah, so if you really want to – people are sitting here listening like, what? how the heck would that be important? So what was the first food your, your mother ate? Okay, well, if you came into the world C-sectioned, you're not going to be inoculated with the good bacteria within the birthing canal. So there's a problem there, unfortunately. Can it be fixed? Absolutely. So then you top that off with maybe some of the crummy hospital food that's mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. That's a working, it, that's another issue. But if you came into this world, how God intended, perfect. And then did mom eat something that her mom always told her to eat? Fruits, vegetables, all the good stuff we're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. There we go. Then that's not going to be a factor because that gut, when we come into the world, is sterile, meaning there's no bacteria in it. And then we're supposed to get it um, inoculated. We're supposed to get bacteria in there. Mm-hmm. And how that happens is really important. So that's actually a super good question. You're welcome. I'm going to go ahead and add that to that. I think it'd be great. <laughs> I would guess that no one has the answer to that question. No. So it, it wouldn't be I don't remember the first thing I ate after my son was born. No, because no you're idea. exhausted and yeah. Yeah. But... But yeah, I ate a lot of watermelon leading up to it. Craving watermelon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I'm glad that this is being recorded video and audio so people could zoom in on your face when I said watermelon and you said craving watermelon and then all of the little, you'll have to, you'll have to put some like little glittery around my face stuff around your face every time you're like, oh, I know. I know what that could mean. Okay. So here's a touch of a connection. Enter glitter. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, in the past, we were talking about your liver health. Yep. Okay. Uh, watermelon has high content of has a high content of glutathione. Okay. Glutathione is the body's most powerful antioxidant. When people have detoxifying issues with their liver, it, glutathione is going to be involved. Okay. I, you need to break that one down a little bit more. So, glutathione, okay. natural antioxidant. Yes. We make we make it. Yeah. It's the most powerful antioxidant. Um, in the body. Now, when we have issues, chronic diseases, problems, glutathione gets, gets used up, mm-hmm. it gets oxidized, and then that creates oxidative stress. So when people talk about antioxidants, mm-hmm. um, glutathione is a very powerful okay. antioxidant. And then because it's made in the liver and the liver is detoxifying us all day long, mm-hmm. you're craving that, glut- that glutathione, potentially, the watermelon, for a reason. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like, women crave chocolate during their menses, for instance, mm-hmm. because they might need the iron because they're bleeding. Yeah. Um, they and, and women will crave all sorts of things when they're pregnant. And it's a mix of, like, what the hormones are doing, what mm-hmm. the baby's hormones are doing. But then also, that is your body telling you, you need something. There's emotions connected in there too. Yes. Yes. I could see that. I remember one time I craved jelly beans and Jason was like, whatever you need. And so he went and bought like six different varieties of jelly beans. And then I ate one and I was like, I think it was just an emotional thing. Those didn't taste good at all. Yeah. 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 Emotional, emotional driven. Um, again, the, the hormones are acting mm-hmm. on it. So yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, long tangent there. But like Perfect. we were saying, tangents are my favorite. Like we were saying, in case anyone's on a cliffhanger, people walk in and they're like ready to do anything. Yeah. So then we can 
apply all the fun stuff. But then sometimes people aren't always ready. Yeah. So a lot of times people will come into our office, maybe just chiropractic care, maybe a little bit of brain work, maybe a little bit of functional med, maybe just a consult. Yeah. And then you have to dance with them, Mm -hmm. as I say, and kind of hold their hand and just love them. And then they will start getting ready to make changes. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and that's probably what you're talking about with like, yeah, we can, we can do some watering up here Mm -hmm. and that water will reach the ground and it'll make a change. And when they see that little bit of change, then they're ready for, for more. I think that's really good for people to know coming in. And I think it's a reminder for me too, just even in my field, I might have an idea where I'm going or where they're going and I want to go at their pace, but it doesn't mean that they know what I'm doing. So even when patients come into you, for them to know, this is going to be some, you know, we might have to dig a little bit and yeah. work work through some questions and we don't know exactly where we're going. It's not that they come in and you already know yep. from day one where they're going to end up. No idea. Yeah. So I think that's a cool reminder for people that are even considering working with anyone in either of our fields. Yeah, because it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can... Like you said, you could be the patient where God's lined it all up for you and you walk in that practitioner's office, whether it's therapist or functional neurologist or whoever, and you sit down 15 minutes, 120 minutes, whatever, four hours later, you have an answer. Great. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you don't. Yep. And, and there's definitely a lot of that, especially right now with um, the pandemic occurring. It has wreaked havoc on everyone. Yeah. And in so many ways, yes, yeah. a lot of just not even like the worst side of people is coming out. I don't think that's the right way of saying it. I just think behaviors that people normally don't exhibit. I think the like panic sides of people are coming out that were there before, but this is just triggered. Yep. Some things in, in all of us. Yeah. All the unknowns, mm-hmm. the constant changes, the Kids in school, kids not in school, working at home, not working at home, having a job, not having a job, yeah. losing it all, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. That panic's definitely bringing the worst. I remember talking to other therapists about this like a year ago when we were just a few months into it. Um, the truth is like, we're, none of us are really responding in a way that's super different. Like we've already been, like we already respond to things that cause panic or fear in us. We're still responding to this from a fearful place that it looks just like any other way, any other situation. This one's just amplified. Yeah. So any situation we've been in that caused panic or fear, we are responding with our same patterns. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what do you do when things are out of your control or, yeah. So whatever you do in a situation that's out of your control is going to look the same no matter what the situation is. Yep. So COVID is just... It's just a really big amplified version of that or an example of that. But right. it's not all that different than how I respond to any situation of control or panic. That's a good point. Yeah. Because, yeah, whether big or small, it's all relative on, on in regards to how you respond. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So my pattern is to generally ignore it first and then watch other people around me panic. And then think that I'm not panicking enough. And so I start to panic with them. And then I'm like, why am I, why am I panicking? I don't want to panic. Mm-hmm. So it's just this cycle. But other people are like active right away on it, like safety focused. I'm going to protect 
myself and everyone around me yep. and I know the right way to do it. And then this person over here is doing the same thing, but their right way is different than my right way. <laughs> it's all the same as any panic. It's just amplified and it's on a global level. And everyone's doing it. And everyone's doing it. Yeah. In their own way. Yeah. Yeah. I just try to remind myself of that when people have a different perspective than I do on what is happening. I'm trying to remember that they're just responding from their own place of fear. They're, I don't think anyone's intentionally trying to be jerks. No, no. Yeah, their 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 limbic systems are on high alert. Mm-hmm. Their amygdalas are ready to fight. Yeah. And how everyone chooses to protect themselves is, it's going to look different anyway. Sure. Yeah. It, it, absolutely. I was just discussing with a patient going through separation with, with his wife and how she's responding, how he's responding. Mm-hmm. Two different completely opposite yeah. like he's all about let's fix this and we got one that's running away yeah and it's but that i mean but if they look over their lives and look back on other times it's probably a really similar pattern his pattern is the same her, as, as her pattern yeah. yeah yeah and then the question is why mm-hmm. and that's where that's where i come in people like you come in and yep. get it figured out mm-hmm. it's like why why are you running or why are you just all in getting ready to tackle it yep my supervisees, so I also supervise graduate student therapists and graduated, like therapists that are pursuing licensure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them joke that they'll come into supervision and bring something up and then say, this is not about my mother, Michelle. And then an hour into supervision, they're like, it's about my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> but we just, it's because whoever is saying that, there's a pattern for them. Right. So they already know. Sure. So that might not be my pattern, but it's other people's pattern. We'd, that's just what this is all about, like understanding what our patterns are. Yeah. Yeah. So is, speaking of, is a lot of this, well, I don't know. I guess the question is, is this is subconscious stuff mm-hmm. and then some of it's conscious. Yeah. Um, what would be easier to talk about here? Subconscious stuff or conscious stuff? Oh, this first? is like choose your own storyline kind of book Mm -hmm. okay now ask it again now that i know so for the people that don't know when you're dealing with your own issues Mm because we all have issues whatever it is anger problems relationship problems anxieties depressions social issues just anything and everything we all have these issues when it comes to the subconscious let's uh events or Mm -hmm. triggers I don't know. Kind of explain how that plays a role in this. Yeah. Like you I said, mean, like this has nothing to do with my brother. And you're like, actually, yeah, it has everything to do with mom. I mean, I, yeah, but actually, um, I swore I wouldn't bring up the Enneagram, but here I am. You oh, no, I was, favorite. no, I was going to bring it up. You were? And, and he's nodding. That's funny. Nick's nodding. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't know why Nick's nodding, but Nick could be nodding in the way that other people say. What are you? Nick. Oh, do you know about the Enneagram? Oh, this is a subject of many conversations. On podcasts or, or just the world? Just our groups. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I bring the Enneagram into it because I bring the Enneagram into everything. Literally, like Target, I could be like, sorry, I bought everything. It's because I'm a seven. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I do. Like, it just comes up in so many conversations because even your question about the subconscious, that's one of the intentions of the Enneagram is to help bring the subconscious to our conscious. Yeah. So it plays into everything. If we're not aware of why we're responding the way we're responding, then we're going to keep doing it. They're just habitual patterns. Yeah. That is what our subconscious brings. 
And out of curiosity, was it Freud that started that, or was this before Freud? The Enneagram? No, just understanding oh, what, what the subconscious can do. I, he had oh different words for it, like the id and the ego yeah. and the superego. Um, I think they're just parallel ideas. Yeah, so, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably wasn't the very first one to come up with that idea. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. But he definitely... There's a guy named John. I just don't remember his last name. I'm just kidding. Hmm. You, you're like, like really? I was like, really? Who is it? Nope. No, nope. I was just kidding. No. All right. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, if you can't tell, Michelle's sarcastic. A little. It took me a while to catch on. Yeah. I think it was like last Tuesday that you... Probably. Yeah. Yes. That is probably safe to say. Yeah. And that's just because when I'm in office, it's... I mean, it's office mode. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of patients. Yep. And when I'm in your office, I am not thinking of clients or anything other than I'm just here for my self-care. Yep. 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 So then when you're being sarcastic, I'm like, wait, okay, I know you're here. I'm thinking of you and I'm present with you, but I, I that went over my head because yep. I'm not, I'm not thinking of sarcasm. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> um, speaking of Enneagrams, what are you? I am, I identify as a seven with an ADHD wing. That's my little joke. You didn't even, like, even flinch. Well, no, because I've heard it before. Oh, right, right. Um, I guess, what is the Enneagram? Okay, so the Enneagram is a, a way to understand our subconscious, to understand what our habitual patterns of relating to the world are. And there's there's so much depth. That would be at least 7,000 podcasts. Do you notice that I do exaggerate numbers yeah. often? It's probably a thing. Um, anyway, it's just a way for us to understand ourselves better so that we can mm -hmm. respond in situations in a way that's like closer to our true self. Mm -hmm. And it identifies people as nine different types. But that's just like a very basic explanation. Absolutely. Because it's yeah. so much deeper than that. It is. The idea is that you, are, you can become this full, well-rounded person and pull strengths from each of the different types. But me being a seven is just a reminder to me of like, when I am in pain or when I am struggling in any way, this is the lens that I see the world through. Yeah. So the lens for the seven is to see everything in an enthusiastic and joyful yep. perspective. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. That's the answer <laughs> for the seven. Like if the question is, do you want chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry? The seven's answer is yes, please. Just It's uh, always just yes. Just give it all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. All in. Which is not, which is the opposite of my husband, who's a six, and is literally what could go wrong. Let me tell you all of the things that could go wrong. Yeah. Do we have an hour to go over this? Yeah. It's a good balance. I mean, it is intended to be a good balance. It obviously is challenging when mm -hmm. you have such different personalities. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that you bring up a really good point because when people are talking about the Enneagram, it, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is, but people tend to. Uh, latch onto their labels, mm -hmm. whether it's I'm Enneagram two or I have fibromyalgia or I have depression yeah. or I have this or I have that. This is me. Mm -hmm. uh, but diagnoses are a little different, but the whole, the concept of people lashing is the same. But with Enneagrams, I think it, that's, that's a, such a good reminder of like this, if you're a seven, you're a seven. Yes. But it's going to show when you're in a bad spot. Yeah. Mm hmm um, it doesn't mean that you're like that 100% all in every day. Yeah. That's not the case. Right. Um, so then what am I again? Do you remember? No, I, I know what I am. Oh, a one? Yeah. Yep. And then Lauren is? A nine. Yep. Based on her report to me and yep. your report based on what I've 
you know, what I've taught you about the Enneagram or what you've looked into about the Enneagram. Yes. It's important not to label people their number. Right. Yeah. It's, well, it's all right. People Uh, do, like, a party party kind of game. People say, like, ooh, what do you think I am? And I have to fight it because that's exciting to me. Like, I want to ask a million questions and get to know the person and say, I think you might be this. Yep. But I don't want to do, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. I want people to to hear about each of the types and then identify which yeah. they might be. Yeah, that would be probably smartest. Yeah. Uh, the funny story with when we did the Enneagram with you is, yes, I'm a one, Dr. Lauren's a nine. What was a big aha moment was how we communicate. Yeah. Like, I'm the one, I want to, if there's something that goes wrong mm-hmm. in marriages, like fights and all that non-fun stuff, I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I want to fix it yesterday. Yeah. She's like, you need to give me five days. Yeah. And then we'll talk. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Because nines a lot of times want to keep the peace. Like that's actually the title for the nine is the peacekeeper mm-hmm. or the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And so they will just fall asleep to any any emotional pain or anything that they would determine as a negative emotion. Yep. Sevens are really similar to nines, we are, but we are trying to avoid pain, like emotional pain. So we can handle other emotions, but it's usually the pain that we're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. And ones are usually like, no, the right thing to do would be to work through this now. Yeah. And I'm not going to hold on to this. Yep. Or you will like repress it as yep. repressed anger. And that's not great right. for any of us. Yeah. Like, here, let's get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's definitely me. Yeah. Um, so for therapists out there listening or for psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors, DOs, all these other professionals that, because the one question I wanted to ask is this, for all the other professionals out there listening, what what can you say or how could you say is how we fit together? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about, yeah, the whole tree analogy, but how is it that like someone with the work that we do, rehabbing brains, whether mm-hmm. it's a person, a, an adult with trauma to a full-blown child with autism, nonverbal, not really walking yet, you could be seeing both of those people mm-hmm. because you're not maybe necessarily helping a child with autism, but you're going to be seeing the family yeah, because they're trying to work through the insane struggles that it comes mm-hmm. with having a kid with special needs and trying to get them through that. So yeah. I guess what it, my question is, is what, what do you have to say to all the other professionals? Like, how, how does this work? Yeah. Well, in true form of what we've been talking about, I would take that question a few steps back and encourage people to build relationships with providers. Um, I never have to worry about who I'm going to send someone to. If, they, if I feel like they need chiropractic care, if they've said, do you know a chiropractor, or if I'm seeing some things from a brain perspective that I think I want them to be assessed for, mm-hmm. I know I can send them to you. I now know what questions to ask them. I know how to guide them to your website. I know what to have them select. And I think there's so many parts of this that it gets confusing and overwhelming. Like, where do I send people? Yeah. So develop specific relationships with chiropractors and psychiatrists and medical doctors even. So I only send people to one medical doctor for ADHD assessment for medication. So that takes a lot of the confusion out of the process. Nice. And then once we've done that, then, you know, we've had several people that we have are, are sharing kind of the load with. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right language, but like 
I'm not having to worry about them working through some of the things like primitive reflexes. And I know you've had a podcast about that where you mm-hmm. talked about them. Um, I don't have to explain that to them. Like I have somewhere I can send them yep. to get education around that. So it takes away some of the work that I would try to be doing, even though yep. I wouldn't be able to do it well. Yeah. Me explaining primitives is very basic. But when I send them to you, you're able to explain it in a much better way. Yeah. So that's the the rewind of your question to say. Yeah. Well, and that's build relationships. Know who you're going to send them to. Yeah, and I'll and I'll throw it right back because as a am, somewhat ambitious provider, I know Dr. Laura and I want to be able to just help people. And mm-hmm. what we tend to do is just the way our personalities are is we tend to throw that load on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, what was I doing at 5.30 this morning? I was looking up some things and figuring out why I have these patients with really bad histamine reactions. Yeah. Trying to figure it out. Um, so when someone needs to see you and they are just emotionally all over the place and we are working on something neurologically, we're working on their body chiropractic-wise, we're working on nutrition, every time they come in, they will go on and on about the same situation because mm-hmm. they're hurting Yep. and for whatever reason they're hurting, they're in pain emotionally or, or psychologically or however you want to say it. And they need very constructive, um, conversations and techniques that therapists provide to help them rationalize through it. Mm-hmm. And then all the while, like I say, we just kind of give them a bigger bucket to handle mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. And then you can just keep filling it. Yep. That's what we'll do. <laughs> I think it's just really beautiful that I know that if I send them, if they do follow through with that, that they will have a place to land. They're not going to have to call or find a place and all of that. And that's what I want for the people you refer to me to. Mm-hmm. So for anyone else listening, I think it just speaks to that. And it builds your relationship with them too when I follow through with yep. a referral. Then they trust you because you said, call Michelle. Right. She'll find someone for you. Yep. Because in my world, like, I don't actually really care what therapist they see, even if it's a therapist. I mean, I have therapists outside of Great Oaks that I refer to all the time. I don't I don't really care as long as it's a good fit for them. That brings up a good point. Just like seeing a chiropractor, finding a therapist, you may not land the first one mm-hmm. that fits for you. Yeah. That, um that is a super good point. I wish people knew that more. I wish that they could go to one therapy appointment and say that you're not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. My hope would be that the therapist would be celebrating that and saying, that's amazing that you know that. Who do you think would be a good fit? Yeah. But there's a lot of times that therapists will be offended by that or want want to make it work. I'm not the right fit for everyone. Well, and what I'm learning from a practitioner standpoint is, is if that patient or the client's not a fit, mm-hmm. it it's not that it drags you down. No, it can do damage. But for lack of a term, it can drag you down. It can weigh on you mm-hmm. because it's weighing on you because you're not helping them and you want to help them. You don't know how and you can't get it figured out. So to avoid burnout, as it's called, yep. send them out. Yeah. And it's not because you don't love them anymore. Yeah. It's because uh, it's just not a fit. There's a bumper sticker for you to avoid burnout. Refer them out. You just, I mean, if you had a Love sticker it. with that, that'd That's be really cool. perfect. That's a good one. Cool. Love it. Uh, that also brought up another uh, point that I was going to uh, 
bring up. I don't know if we have enough time for that. We'll save that for another show. It, it was about Enneagrams, but anyway, I think that's probably the biggest point is with therapy in general, it's don't worry about the taboo of it because I think it's taboo because of other social things, mm-hmm. generations and everything that goes with that. Um, it's not taboo. It's all good. Yeah. Working on your mental health is like working on your physical health. Mm-hmm. Working on your physical health works on your mental health. Yep. Um, and working on your mental health can work on your physical health. If yeah. you, if you're no longer down and out and you feel better about yourself, are you going to go on a walk? Are you going to be proactive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is like just knowing that that person may not be the fit. Yeah. I mean, that is astronomically huge because mm-hmm. patients come in and, or patients, parents come in, they're like, oh, we tried therapy. Yeah. It just didn't work. I'm like. Some people just stop going. They ghost their therapist or they probably ghost you. Yeah. They just stop. I would rather them say, I mean, I, I have clients that say all the time, like, I didn't want to come today. They're still coming. Like, I'm still a good fit for them. They didn't want to be there. I just want people to feel comfortable being honest about what they need, speaking up about what they need. But that's a lot of the things that bring people into therapy is they don't know how to ask for what they need. Mm. So it's it makes sense that people have a hard time saying, you're not a good fit for me. That the boundaries and the speaking up for, for yourself, like that's a lot of times what they're coming in for. Huh. Yeah. That that was a big light bulb right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, that's definitely on a on a personal note, because like like we said, this this show is like my book. And part of my book was after our daughter was born, went through phase of alcoholism, haven't touched it in a few years. Part of that was I went and saw a therapist that Lauren and I, Dr. Lauren and I had seen after her daughter had passed. Mm-hmm. I went to her because I was comfortable. Yeah. She's just, she's a family and in, in a, she's family marriage uh, uh, counselor. Mm-hmm nothing to do with addiction she, or, or alcoholism. She's like, that's not my specialty. I don't know what I can offer you. I was like, I'm, I'm comfortable. I need someone to talk to. Yep. And two sessions, and it took me to a level of understanding of why I, I was doing what I was doing and I haven't looked back since. Yep. Just a fit. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it was just a fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I totally get the whole taboo of like, especially as a man, do I really need help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, because uh, uh, for sure us guys are like, nah, we don't, we don't need help. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah, you know, it could be anywhere from sixty to eighty percent of the people that walk in our doors are women, mm-hmm. or it's women that are driving those decisions. Yep. Um, you know, a guy's not going to be like, yeah, I'll go get myself taken care of. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so again, and that can be hard too, and it's it's oddly scary because mm-hmm. it's it's new, it's yep. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But when you take the step and you get through it, it's like everything else. You're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then you and then you keep diving in. That's right. So. Keep diving in. That's it. Right. Well, I I, I think we're kind of winding down. Um, was there anything else you wanted to? No, I don't think so. I mean, a million things, but not today. You know, we could just do a show on Enneagrams. I would. I'd help you find someone to do that. I'm just joking. I would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Enneagram in the brain. I mean, for sure. There's there's so much about that. Yeah, I actually have a um, – I'll call him a colleague because he's a functional neurologist wrote a book. Jerome? On, yeah. I don't on, remember. Lib? Yep. Yep. Jerome Libby? Yep, Libby. Uh, I'm going to try to get him on the show. No, you're not. That. 
I would insist upon being right outside of that room or inside of the room. Oh, perfect. If you interview him. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, now Dr. Jerome, uh, if, if if I do get him on, it would be great. We had just recently reached out. So mm-hmm. he, he's a busy man. Very successful mm-hmm. doctor, functional neurologist, uh, has helped a lot of people. He wrote a book about the Enneagram and um, from a brain perspective, mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. And it just hits the nail on the head. Yeah. That's exciting. And, and that helped put a lot together for me with Enneagrams and personalities. Because mm-hmm. to me, everything is neurologically driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some mysteries and things behind personalities that don't, I just haven't been able to fully understand, or maybe we don't all fully understand. Mm-hmm. But this answered a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you, have you read his book? Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Did I refer that book to you or did you find mm-hmm. it on your own? Found it on my own. Yeah. It, uh, it's definitely made the rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, it'll continue to grow in popularity cause it, if you read that and then you read a book, like what's another good book on Enneagrams? Oh, anything by Beatrice Chestnut. Okay. Is awesome. Um, there's also a podcast. If I can talk about other podcasts sure. on here, um, Michael Shahan has, a podcast and also an Instagram page. Amazing information about the Enneagram. Yeah. So yeah. For, because it came up and it's always fascinating for people that want to know about it, check out Dr. Jerome's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and forgive me, Dr. Jerome, if you ever listen to this, I do not recall the name of the book off the top of my head. It's like, I think it's just a brain-based Enneagram. I think it's just brain-based Enneagram basically says brain-based Enneagram, you're not a number. But if yeah. you look up Dr. Jerome, um, uh, he is called the patient doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, um, find his information. Then you couple that with podcast yep. or a book from a other therapist, uh, point of view, mm-hmm. you can really piece together who you are and also have better understandings of people around you. Yeah. That's it. Um, yep. and I would say if you throw an attachment style on top of that, yep. if you, if there's an online attachment style quiz, if you search for that, it's free. Yep. Uh, if you look up a attachment style quiz, it'll come up. I think it's through Sanford. Not sure. I don't remember. Uh, then you can really learn a lot about yourself yeah. between the four different types of attachments and how you attach. And yeah. um, and that's where we have to start is just understanding ourselves. Yep. Yep. Yeah, especially with today's distresses. Yep. Yeah, I would think that'd be that'd be a good good start for people. Yeah, I agree. All right. Anything else you want to spit out? Nope. Sweet. That's well, awesome. this this was fun doing this yeah. as opposed to, you know, we got 15 minutes and, hey, what can we nerd out about while we, yeah, while we I do. work on you? And Definitely. Like, oh, there's more patients coming in. We'll yep. continue next week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. This is fun. All right. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. <laughs>
been instrumental in our lives professionally and personally. About six years ago, we went through one of the most hellacious traumas that you can think of. And if it weren't for Apex with their stress support line of products, I probably would not be here. Point blank, period. And in the office, you, making the switch from other lines to Apex Energetics has sped up our results with our patients, supporting them through their healthcare needs, um, probably by 25%. Um, if not, if not more. And when it comes to Apex Energetics, we just want to remind everyone that we are here to not cure diseases, making claims. We're here supporting people, increasing their healthcare needs and helping them achieve their goals. Apexenergetics.com. The Dr. Alex Show is hosted by myself, a nerd, Dr. Alex Nelson. I'm a chiropractor board certified in functional neurology and childhood neurodevelopmental disorders. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or most any of your other favorite podcast apps. The Dr. Alex Show is a production of Fredcasts. Think, speak, act.